Well, today we are very blessed to highlight New Hope for Recovery. You know, I thought about Advent and I thought, you know, what could we do that really would uh, encourage people? Listen, church, recovery is for every person. I once lived in sin and now I walk in the spirit doesn't mean it says we mortify our flesh we put to death the things of our flesh but we still walk in the spirit amen so here we are today to highlight new hope for recovery and I've been wanting to do this and I thought what a perfect time to if you would please faith can you just turn those up just a little bit because the sun is coming right in and just blinding me. There we go. Praise the Lord. I love sunshine, but uh, Trish will look this way and she'll be like, whoa, what just happened? Uh, and she'll break out in song like I saw the light or something. I'm, I know how she is. So, you know, I thought I better, we better do something about that. And uh, yeah, so, uh, but so I asked her, I said, Trish, you know, I know that you guys are going to be selling the New Hope for Recovery hoodies. I know that, uh, you know, People don't really understand what we do. What is our ministry like here at New Hope? And how is it that we help people? And we can't help all, but we can help some. And we try to do what we can as a community of believers to encourage people within the body and outside of the body to be able to come. And I'll tell you, I've been really, really encouraged uh, by Trisha's testimony. I've been encouraged by her walk. I'm encouraged by her humor. And... Uh, but let me tell you a little bit about who we have that leads our recovery program. Her name is Trish Eddy. She is a CDCA CPRS-S comma QMHP. How do you like that? Those are all of her little license behind her name. She's the director of programming and peer support for the Recovery Center of Medina County. She's the founder of Blurred Reflections, nonprofit for women. She's a recovery ministry leader for New Hope Talmadge. Oh, okay. <laughs> Trisha has a heart for the recovering addict. Trisha has chosen to dedicate her life to assisting individuals with substance abuse uh, disorder to find their way out of darkness into a life of hope and light. Trisha has worked in the substance abuse field since 2010, starting as a peer support and recovery house director. Trish continued in her own walk to continuously take strides to better herself to provide care and services for those who feel recovery is unattainable. It is through her own struggles and walk that she's able to be a testimony that not only can individuals recover, but they do. Trish aspires to open her own faith-based recovery center and housing program in the next five years. Trish shares that through support of other individuals recovering from substance abuse and the love of Christ, that no person is hopeless and each of us are deserving of a second chance and a third and a fourth and a fifth at sharing God's love. Amen. As you know her, and I know her, and I bragged on her just right now, can we all give Trish, as she comes up to encourage us today, and I know she's slightly nervous, so I'll say that for her, but let's give her a new hope welcome. Woo! 
Man, those little letters make me sound more important than I am, right? We just throw the alphabet up there and then it makes us look important, right? What's really important is our heart for God, right? And I'm very excited to get to come up here today and share little parts of me. I always say, I don't know what parts God's going to share, so we'll all be shocked together what comes out of my mouth. Um, But I am. I want to share my love story, right? The greatest love story I've ever experienced. And that story started the day Jesus was born, right? Because that's my greatest love. And so I am... I am blessed and honored to stand up here. I'm blessed and honored and grateful to come here every Sunday and Thursday and just have love poured into me because that's not always the case everywhere. So I'm, I'm grateful that you're going to uh, share in this with me and then I get to share parts of me with you. But I wanted to start with a, a song or a video this morning if we could just watch that um, before we dive on into the rest of the testimony. He cries in the corner where nobody sees. He's the kid with a story no one would believe. He prays every night, dear God, won't you please, could you send someone here who
love me for me? That has been a question that I ask myself my whole entire life. So I told you I was going to tell you about a love story. And it didn't start feeling like a love story. It felt more like a tragedy. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about me growing up. And I grew up in church, Pentecostal church to be exact. Um, We'll get there. But I had a mom who would say things like, no one's going to want you for you. If you don't have something to give someone or to offer someone, they're not going to stay. When we hear things like that over and over our entire lives, we start to believe that those lies that are ingrained. Look, I'm five foot three, but if you told me my whole entire life that I was five foot seven, I'm going to walk around like I'm five foot seven. Right? Because we're going to believe it. It's really scary to look out in the world, to look at someone or something and say, will you love me? It's a terrifying thing. We think that feeling of rejection, for me, that feeling of rejection was going to come. And I do know today that you can't reject me because I'm not yours. If I'm not, if you were not for me, if God did not put you in front of me, you can't reject me. He's just protecting me and moving me to where I need to be. Right? So we are going to talk about this love today in in getting vulnerable and getting transparent and being able to get to the place where we believe that we're never going to be enough. We're never going to be enough because the world expects us to look a certain way. We're told that we have to be smarter. If you're not smart, you better be attractive. If you're not attractive, you better be funny. It looks at it love through such a lens that I stood in the mirror and questioned who I am over and over and over in my life. The scripture today from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 I'm going to try not to uh, hurt these words too much. It says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod, being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Eture, and the reign of Trachonatus, and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene, Annas and Cephas, being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book, in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And that is where, where the true love story begins. In the wilderness. And I, and, and I think I want to share for me, my understanding is, all of those lovely words in the history and the high priest, and it was to show us that John was a person. He was just a living person. Here's he's the son of, and he was still in the wilderness. That God came into the wilderness to say, go tell him I'm coming. Let him know that there's a way out. 
that those paths that are crooked, there's a straight way to go. So for this broken girl, for this little girl who thought she couldn't ever be enough and the broken pieces were so shattered that she couldn't be put back together because she lived in the wilderness, in the dark, and the further she went into the wilderness, the darker the places got, and I was sure that God couldn't get his light in there. And this scripture tells me he loves me so much that he's coming into the wilderness, right? That God is coming. Jesus is coming. Tell him. (sighs) I don't know about all of you, but I've spent many, many nights hiding in the corner, just praying, God, send somebody. Send somebody that will... Accept me for exactly who I am, that will love me, that will stay, that will never leave, right? And, and as a young child, I would get taken to this church. And my aunt, she's just, she, was, she was the most loving, sassy little thing I ever knew. And she'd take me to this Pentecostal church and we'd sit there and she'd say, Jesus loves you just the way you are, but go take those pants off and put a skirt on. Jesus loves you just the way you are, but take that makeup off your face. Jesus loves you just the way you are, but watch your attitude. And the pastor would preach about how that music was going to send me to hell and my friends were going to send me to hell. And I was pretty convinced that nothing I ever did would be enough, not even for God. And so at some point around 13, I decided that God wasn't the thing that was going to be for me. He wasn't the one that was going to love me because I was going to wear pants and I was going to put makeup on and I was going to listen to the music. And what they didn't know about my friends is I was the one doing the corrupting. (laughs) I just looked sweet and innocent. Right? And so... At age 13, I decided that it was time to start altering my physical appearance. See, if if I could be thin, I have a sister who's super skinny. My mom was super skinny. Um, And I love my mother. Let me put that out there. This isn't about me saying, oh, she did these terrible things, right? It's about the importance of learning who I'm not and what the lie was. So I had this idea that I wasn't ever going to be beautiful, if I wasn't tiny, right? I remember uh, going, even when I got in recovery, going to uh, Wally Waffle, and we were sitting there, and uh, this attractive man walked in, suit, he was nice, he was tall, and my mom was like, Trish, there's a man, and I just, mom, guys like that don't like girls like me, Right? And I didn't understand what I was saying to myself in that moment. Girls like me. See, I was wearing all of those things from my past. Um, I'm going to go back, though. So I started changing my physical appearance through taking substances to do that. And then that wasn't enough. It wasn't working. I'd get a little more attention. But I didn't know back then what negative attention was. And so I started drinking because I realized when I did that, I was just the center of the party. Guys wanted to talk to me. I'm sure it's because I had wonderful conversation to give. (laughs) I didn't have any fears 
any inhibition or anything that made me doubt myself was gone. I could walk tall and with confidence. What I didn't understand is I was burying the trueness of who I am every time I did that. And I took that into my adulthood. I, I, I'm going to get real vulnerable. Because I think it's important that if you want to understand why I love Jesus the way I love Jesus and believe that he comes to the wilderness and he sometimes drags us right on out of there, right? Drags us. You need to know who I am. So at age 18, I decided that it would be a good idea to take the drinking to another level. And I I went and worked in one of those beautiful places that have a pole in the middle of the room. And I thought, well, this is it. (laughs) This is where I'm going to find love. And I worked in that place, and I didn't find love. But I did find myself pregnant at 18, and I didn't know who his dad was because I was making choices. Let's just say I didn't know who his dad was because I didn't keep myself sober enough long enough to know who I was laying down with. I knew I wasn't laying down with God at night. So I uh, had a son, have a son, who I love very much, and then I met this wonderful man. See, there's a theme in my story about finding love, right? It was always going to be outside of me. It was always going to be a human being that made me feel loved. And I met this amazing man. Uh, What he didn't know is... About a month before I met him, I did one of those things where I say, I'm not hurting anybody but me, and I left my son with my mother, and I went out and got invited to a party, and what really happened is there was no party. I was trapped in that house for two days, and when I walked out of that, I was pregnant. So there was abuse, and there was beatings, and there was nothing I could do. I walked out, and I was pregnant. I had so much shame and guilt because I did that, right? I went there. I made choices. I put myself there, all trying to seek love. And so I met this man, and no man has ever stayed. No man has ever said, you're worth it, right? And so I meet this really amazing man. I figure he's not going to stay. I don't tell him I'm pregnant. Nine months later, I've hidden an entire pregnancy from him, have the baby, give the baby up for adoption, and he has no idea. Y'all ain't very bright sometimes. (laughs) But I did. I had this baby, and they literally had to take the baby from my hands because I love my mother. But she said to me, You already have one baby, and if you keep this one, that man will leave you. And I couldn't have somebody else leave me. And so I ended up marrying that man because he just wouldn't go away, poor soul. (laughs) Stayed and stayed. But I ended up marrying him, and uh, for a little while I thought, okay, I found someone to love me for me. And we went to a couple churches, and let me tell you, I have... When I tell you I've been kicked out of some churches or asked not to come back or they isolate you so much that you go, yeah, can't go there anymore. It's a real thing. (laughs) And we went to a church and I got involved and I was, believe it or not, in the choir. I only sing good in the shower. 
but in the choir and I led the youth group and I just did all the stuff. But one day I said amen in the middle of the service and they all turned around. And I thought, yep, not supposed to be here. (laughs) But every time I felt like I wasn't supposed to be there, it drove me deeper into my addiction. I'm not an addict because my mom or dad didn't love me enough or because the churches didn't make me feel like I wanted to be there. I'm an addict because I have a problem in my mind. And any time I have an obsession, I think about it and think about it. No matter what the consequence is, I say it's worth the consequence. One day I said I needed help, and that man said, we can't tell anybody you're an addict. They'll take our children. And so I said, well, one of us has to be a grown-up, and it can't be me. And I walked away from my family, and I took my cross off my neck, and I set it on the dresser, because it was just another time that I was convinced I wasn't enough for God, that I was so broken and so shattered, right? that even he couldn't love me. I learned as I grew up that even the people in my life were going through things, right? I talked about my mother. I didn't know the things she had experienced and went through. I didn't know the things that my father had gone through. But I still thought that it was me. I was the problem. So I continued to rely on substances to make me feel better. It didn't matter if I was sleeping on porches, eating out of trash cans. It didn't matter what I had to do with my body to get that next thing so I could survive out there one more minute. I did things out on the streets that I could never imagine doing today. Right? And I remember coming into the rooms of recovery, and they told me I needed to have some goals and I needed to be able to work towards some things. And I said, listen, I don't have any goals. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do or who I am. And what they said to me is, you have to have a goal. And I said real loud, how about can I look in the mirror when I brush my teeth? How about I can look at the woman in the mirror? And let's not talk about loving her. Can I just look at her? And I couldn't. But I remember the day I could, right? Six months later, I come piling down the stairs. I'm like, it's goals night. They're like, no, it isn't. I said, bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what, I did it. I looked in the mirror when I brushed my teeth. Who would have thought that's an accomplishment? But when you are so broken and so deep in the darkness, That seems like the greatest accomplishment of all. And what that did is it started to open me up. And in 2006, I was like, all right, God, we're going to try this church thing one more time. I'm walking the doors of this church. And Lord, if they aren't nice to me, if they don't see how awesome I am, (laughs) I'm not coming back to another church. I'm just going to love you the best I can, and whatever we have, we have, right? And I walked in that church, and I came a couple times, and every time I walk in, all happy, being Trish-like, hey, right? I would sit down, and the music would start, and I'd start crying. Like, something's broke. (laughs) 
really went up to the pastor and was like, excuse me, your church is broken. He's like, explain. (laughs) Pastors don't like to hear their church is broken. And I said, I come in here and I feel fine. But then the music starts and I can't stop weeping. And he said, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. And he directed me to a woman to talk to. So I'm grateful I walked in the doors of that church because I I met some people that started to teach me to love me. My friend Judy's here today. And let me tell you that she would not leave me alone. So annoying. She's like, I'm going to love you. I'm like, you can't. I'm broken and nobody loves broken things. I'm unlovable. Stay over there. And she'd be like, no, I'm going to love you. (laughs) Okay. And she just taught me to, to receive love. She taught me that I didn't need God's approval. I needed a relationship with God. That God already approves who I am. We don't need approval. We don't need to go out in the world and prove anything to anybody. We don't need approval. We've been given his son, his grace, and his mercy. And I was like, okay. I don't know that I still believed it all the way, but I was, I was like, I'll bite. And I stayed around there, and I made some mistakes, and I was out for a little while. And every time I went back out, they always say, I've got a little bit of recovery, a little bit of God inside of me, and it's ruining my high. So every time I went back out, God was talking to that enemy inside of me. Because I heard, I understood what his voice sounded like now. And I'm like, how could you want me, God? Don't you see who I am? Don't you know what I've done? How could you want me? Look, I talked so much, I knocked the mic down. And I couldn't understand it. I said, God, don't you know what my past is? I left my children. I left my husband. I hurt people. I stole from people. I laid on my back to feed my addiction. Don't you know who I am? How could you want me? And he took me to Hosea 11.8, where it says, Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy or demolish you. My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. His compassion overflows for me. The broken, beaten little girl. And I said, but I don't understand how. And as I went through some time, I got into uh, James. 1, 16 through 18. And it says, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Ready? He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his most prized possession. So that's the New Living Translation version, right? Sometimes I, there are certain versions and a key word will hit me. 
you ever had a prized possession? It's that thing like someone's like, oh, can I? no, you can't touch it. No, don't, don't, you're getting too close. Don't even breathe on it. That's my most prized thing. And you don't know how to handle it. Right? And what I started to realize is I was God's most prized possession. And all those times I thought I was being rejected or somebody didn't love me, God was like, no, 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 don't go near her. You don't know how to handle her. She belongs to Jesus. And it was because of Jesus' birth that I got to start a love story with him that really, really got good, right? That little turning point in the book where he got on the cross and died for me. Because what is love if it's, Here's what I think love is. Love is the growth and development of another human being or another person where you do whatever is necessary, no matter your own wants, desires, or needs. You do what is best for them. And so Jesus said, I don't, he was on that cross, and I know at one point he was like, I don't want to be here. Right? And he said, but I love them so much that no matter what I want, Father, take me. Take me. Right? If that's not the greatest love ever, I can barely let somebody have my favorite cereal bar in the morning, let alone my whole life for them, right? And so here I am out here in the world chasing all these, these things, these people, these men to try to find love, talking about I'm loving them so much and what I'm doing is hurting them. Because guess what, family? Sometimes we've got to remove ourselves from their lives if we truly love them because we are the things blocking them from God. We think, but you don't, I, I'm a ride or die. I have to say no matter what, they've never had anybody stay. Well, we're not supposed to stay either. If we're the thing blocking from God, right? And uh, I know I got a little off track there, but let's keep talking about this. Walking into the recovery process. And in 2014, I was like, okay, I'm loving God. I love Jesus. And I understand that he got on the cross for me. And that's the greatest love of all. And if it were not for him, that I would be sitting in the darkness, sitting in pity lake, sitting in my own feelings, all my emotions, and I never would be able to get out of there. But I'm still in my walk with God. God, who's going to love me for me? Like, okay, God, yeah, I know you love me, but you're just supposed to love me, right? You love me, but can I, can I get a person? Can I get a, let's be specific, can I get a man to love me for me? That will stay, that will tell me I value, that will tell me I'm worth it? Because no man has ever stayed, and I want to tell you, no man has ever been faithful to me either. And so I remember working with my sponsor in 2014, and she called me codependent, and I about lost it on her. I was like, excuse me? What did you just say? Like, codependent? I pay my own bills. I don't get help from anybody for anything. And as a matter of fact, I feed, clothe, house, take care of, pamper, spoil every man in every treatment center in all of Akron. What do you mean I'm codependent? I could do everything for myself but love myself. And as soon as they hit the atmosphere, I hit my knees. It was in that moment that I realized all this time I've been asking somebody to love me for me, to stay, to not run, to tell me I have value, to tell me I have worth. I've been that person the whole time. 
I couldn't even stay for me. I didn't even want to be around me. I didn't even think I had value. I didn't even think I had worth. I'm so broken, can't be used. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. The lie, the sound inside. And I was like, God, I am so sorry. And then God and I got busy. I stopped trying to find that love outside and figure out what inside made me feel so broken. What was the biggest lie? What was the thing? And it was the I'm not enough. It was the I'm not good enough, smart enough, tall enough, thin enough. I've always been funny enough. (laughs) Saying, Right? It wasn't that my family didn't love me. It wasn't that my children didn't love me. It was that I didn't love me. I need to be in love with me. And more specifically, in love with the God that is in me. That God in me, right, gets into all those broken places. And what he says to me is, you think you're broken. I think you're a masterpiece. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take you, my little broken crayon, and create the most beautiful masterpiece ever. I'm going to call you out of the wilderness. I'm going to give you a purpose and a plan for your life. I'm going to walk with you through that purpose. You're going to go out there. You're going to use your story. You're going to lift women up. And you're going to tell them that Jesus is the greatest love story of all. He said, and as a matter of fact, Trish, as much as I love you, it ain't even about you. Well, I mean, that's not very very nice. It's got to be about me, right? He said, no, it's about me and you. It's like when you walk in a room before you even get there, I want my Holy Spirit, that light in you, to light the room up before you ever walk in. He said, because it's always got to be about me. Because if it's not about me, you're going to fall back into those old things. So I've been talking to a friend lately from high school, just chatting, texting. Calm down, it's fine. That's fine. I don't spaz out at all if he doesn't text back. But it's uh, for the first time me being vulnerable and saying to somebody, here is why I act like this. Here is why I think like this. Because I... I have this fear of abandonment inside of me because for so long I thought God didn't want me, right? Because I thought the, my parents didn't want me, and I still work on those things. I'm a work in progress. And I have to sit, oh, Lord, I have to sit in the middle of the craziness going on in my mind and say, not today, good game, wrong girl. Because I have a God that said he will never leave me or forsake me. And if he will never leave me or forsake me, guess what? I can never be alone. You could never walk out on me because if you were supposed to be here, you'll be here. That's really hard to do some days. I want to share that... uh, I watched a movie one time called My Blueberry Nights, and uh, this girl, there's a diner, the people will come to put their keys in the jar, and uh, then wait and see if the other person came and picked their keys up, because that's healthy, and uh, one night she's standing outside her old apartment, and she sees the man that she thought she was in love with just with another woman in the window, and it's raining, and it's dramatic, and she's crying, and she goes back to this diner, and she says, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't he want me? And the owner said, 
There's nothing wrong with you. He said, take these pies. At the end of every night, I've sold out of the apple pie. Peach cobbler, almost gone. But I throw the entire blueberry pie away every night. And she said, well, what's wrong with the blueberry pie? And he said, there's nothing wrong with the blueberry pie. Sometimes people just make other choices. What I know today is that there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not too much. I'm not too little. I'm not enough. I'm exactly who God called me to be, created me to be, and asked me to be. He says, I just want you to be you. Don't water yourself down because they either love or hate blueberry pie. But it's okay. You're blueberry pie. Right? You can have all the, everybody wants the cheesecake. Oh, cheesecakes. I want to be blueberry pie because I want to know when somebody wants to be in my life, friendship, or otherwise, it's because they love the person in front of them. So I want to thank you guys today for just letting me stand up here and really just talk to you about what God's love is. And I want to tell you that even though some days I'm still scared and I'm afraid, that he has reminded me in Proverbs. In Proverbs, he reminds me that I am clothed with dignity and strength, that I can laugh without fear of the future. I never thought I would be a woman who could say I'm clothed in dignity and strength. And all those wonderful things that Pastor read about me this morning, they're true things. But there was a time that I thought my labels would never change from addict, the woman who abandoned her children, prostitute, worthless, useless. But today I stand on God's promise and that greatest love story that he gave me, Jesus. Above all, he gave me Jesus and his love for me is greater than anything. And I can now and always continue to be clothed in dignity and strength. So as we come to a closing, we're going to sing, but I think Pastor's going to come back up first. Thank you, Trish. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may remain standing. Here at New Hope, we have a time of reflection and a time where we we just look at our own our own selves, our own life in Christ. And if the ushers will take, we have something for for each family. If you'll uh Trish Trish put these together, and I love this. We had talked about this, and she just wants to remind everybody what the Scriptures have to say in Psalm 51, 17. It says, The sacrifices of God are broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. So they could come forward, grab one with your family, stick it on your, your refrigerator. And this Christmas season, no matter what the enemy does or how he does that to rob you of your joy that we've been singing about, No matter what took place in your upbringing and in your past, 
He says, you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, I created you. You are, as she said, a masterpiece. We look at our lives sometimes and we allow the enemy to not allow us to run in victory. But we are a victor. We're not a, we're a winner. We're not a, because we're a child of the Most High God. Amen. Amen. And that is what reflecting the love of Christ is about. Trish, I love your heart. We know her. My wife and I have spent time with her. We love her testimony. We love God's grace and his redemption in her life. And that's the heart that she has. Let me explain something, church. Last Sunday, I believe it was, a couple Sundays ago, I saw a group of women walk through the door, and I didn't know who they were. But I was encouraged because Trish is on basically a 911 call. And when somebody's hurting or maybe they've OD'd, she's called. So she rushed out of here, brought this, these ladies back in here, uh, got the one gal into a recovery uh, program. Praise the Lord. Amen. amen. And uh, last week, wasn't it last Sunday when someone OD'd, she left, was able to get them into the hospital and to get help. That's the kind of person she is. It's not just about her position. And at this church, we don't have any women pastors. But, girl, you, you can bring the word. <laughs> just thought I'd say that. <laughs> she said, Pastor, you do this every Sunday. This is anxiety at its highest. She did. She said, goodness gracious, I'm glad today's it and it's over and I'm done with. You know what? When we let God take our imperfections and perfect us, then he can use us. In ways that we can't even imagine. Maybe you're broken here today. Maybe God has allowed you to go through some things so that whatever your story is or whatever he's brought you through, you'll be able to have a God story and a place of victory. Maybe you came here today. Maybe you've been dealing with some addictions in your life. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the truth. And there's only life through Jesus Christ. If you don't know him as Lord and Savior, today's your day of salvation. Remember this 2021 season of Christmas. Come to know Jesus, who he is. If you're broken today and you feel that, you know what, I don't feel loved. I've maybe in my life have not felt good about myself. Just lay it at the altar. Say, God, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to walk away. I'm, I'm refreshed, revived, renewed. Here's a song called Amazing Grace. And it's because of his amazing love that he can take us and refine us. Because he's our king. Let's just worship him together and let's just praise him together.